Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome back. We made it through 2020. Welcome into 2021, and welcome into the third edition of NASCAR, where we talk all things mid-major college hoops. That's right. No racing here. It's all college basketball. And when we say mid-majors, keep in mind, we mean mid-majors, except Gonzaga. Gonzaga plays at a high major level. We've already established that, right? But there's a look at the mid-major conferences you can expect to hear all about on this week's edition and every edition of NASCAR. We are joined, as always, by our experts, Paul Nazigan and Tim Scarborough. Together, they are NASCAR. Guys, good to see you again. Happy New Year. Let's let's start with that on Start Your Engines. How long (laughs) is it acceptable to say Happy New Year? (laughs) Yeah, you know, for for me, it's five days in. After that, it's a cutoff, man. No more Happy New Year. Just get on with your life. <laughs> yeah, we 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 have some people carrying that into about January twenty third. It's a matter of when are they going to take down their Christmas decorations right, and stop right. saying Happy New Year. But in all seriousness, let's get into uh, start your engines here. Our first segment on NASCAR and big news this week, fellas. The NCAA announcing that the entire men's basketball tournament will be held in the state of Indiana. There you see the venues. Bankers Life Fieldhouse and many others. Lucas Oil Stadium will actually have two courts in there. Of course, the home of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Naz, I'll start with you. Thoughts on the decision to move the entire tournament to the state of Indiana? Well, you know, just the fact that there is going to be a tournament, I mean, is just elation. And I think that just really uh, helped a lot of people just kind of get grounded. I mean, in all this uncertainty. So there's a tournament, there's something to work toward Uh, the players. Everybody just got to really feel good that there's going to be a a tournament. Uh, The bubble site is great. And I mean, here's the thing, those secondary uh, sites, man, there's some great courts there, some historic venues that is really going to, you know, one site was a little bit like, is it going to be limiting? But you know, you have teams going out to assembly hall and Mackey. I mean, that's going to be some great sites, Great. Uh, the NCAA did a really great job on this one moving forward toward this tournament. Yeah. Hey, Shaq, bring that slide back up. I want people to see yeah. what Naz is talking about. This is great. A Hinkle Phil House. Yeah. <laughs> That's where they filmed the, the movie Hoosiers, Butler's Home Court, Indiana Farms Coliseum, Mackey. So they're all going to be within you know, walking distance, some of them, driving right. distance. So, Naz, you've been to the Final Four. We've all been to the Final Four. Um, we know what it's like in Indianapolis. It's great because the venues are close together. Their downtown infrastructure is what it needs to be in terms of being able to get the restaurants and things like that. Yeah, not to have that volume of people, but having all these games, I mean, I, I really hope that I'm able to leave my bunker by March and <laughs> April because I would love to be in Indianapolis. Now, we're not going to see the crowds that we saw and even the slide kind of demonstrates how many people are going to these games. But I think it's a great move by the NCAA to put it all in one place. And if you're going to put it all in one city, I can't think of a better city to do it. Yeah, it'll be all throughout the the state of Indiana, Indiana, and then predominantly in Indianapolis, as you said. I mean, a lot of history in that state. Uh, should yeah, be of a, course, a Bloomington. I mean, IU. I mean, of all the places I've been, I've been to probably over a hundred different venues. The most fun I've ever had, I gotta say, was in Assembly Hall at IU. I mean, it it is it rocks. I mean, so that's gonna be, and, and it's way bigger than it looks on TV too. So right. it's just 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 Huge. really great basketball, and uh, I'm excited that we're gonna hopefully have an NCAA tournament. Fingers crossed. 
Yeah, Naz, uh, you said it best. Let's just be excited that we have a tournament, at least yeah. on the schedule for right now. Moving on here with our Start Your Engine segment. You know, there's a lot of talent in the NBA now that have come from the mid-major ranks. Let's talk about it. Who are some of the top mid-major NBA stars? For me, I guess it's it's Steph Curry and everyone else. But, uh, Scar, what do you, who do you have as the best mid-major in the NBA right now? You know, before it's all over, John Morant may be better than them all. But right now, I mean, it's hard – after watching Steph drop 62 points the other night. <laughs> it's really hard not to pick him. But, you know, honestly, Kawhi Leonard, with what he's done at the championship level now, I know they fizzled out in the bubble, but let's be honest. The L.A. Clippers didn't want to be in the bubble. They voted not to, not to stay when they had a chance to leave, and everybody else voted to stay, so they stayed. So they weren't locked in. The Lakers ended up winning the championship. But you, you take that blip off of his record – you know, the guy from San Diego State, Kawhi Leonard, has won championships with two different teams. Not many guys can say that. And he's a principal part of it. And him taking Toronto to the to the finals a couple years ago, to me, you know, I, I got to give the nod to – And winning the championship. Exactly. Right. I got to give the nod to Kawhi. But, man, that's Steph, Steph Curry is something else. Yeah, and I, and I just really like this trend. You know, um, these guys that you're seeing there on the screen have just – I mean, they're having great careers, but they have opened the door for other guys to get uh, looks and opportunities because they've proven that guys can come out of the mid-major level that have gotten maybe overlooked in the recruiting process. Um, So, you know, what they're doing is kind of trailblazing a little bit for other guys to get opportunities down the road, which is awesome. And then the other thing, too, is like – that's a, maybe the upside to the transfer portal and, and the grad transfer rule because you're seeing guys that maybe had great careers at the mid-major take that last year and go up and show at the top 25 schools that they can play and then they get drafted as well. So, you know, they may come out of a top 25 school, but they spend most of their career at a mid-major. You know, I think of a guy like uh, Carleek Jones. I mean, he spends three years at Radford. He's at Louisville right now. And he's at the leading scorer and leading assist maker. So he's going to get looks at the league. He's going to get to the league. And people may say he's from Louis. No, he's a mid-major guy. And so there's a lot of guys like him. Well, one name that's on this list as we continue with Start Your Engines is Obi Toppin. And we all know the special year that he had last year at Dayton. Unfortunately, didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament. But so far in the NBA, uh, Naz, nine points in his debut at Indiana, has been in an active since. How good will he be in the NBA? You know, it, it remains to be seen. Again, one game, but, um, you know, the, he's got all the skills. He's got the, the, the NBA body right now that, that uh, the, the game is finding successful. Um, I, I think just with him, like, he's in New York, and they are starved <laughs> for, you know. It, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, they hate their ownership. So, I mean, he can go in there, talk about being a great player. He can be great in the sense of taking that program, that organization out of the basement. And so it may not be so much what he does on the court, but if he can be reliable, like he doesn't have to be a superstar, but if he'll be a very good player and a guy that the city will just fall in love with, that can, that can cement his, his status in the league. Well, Naz, you know, I have to disagree a little bit because, he was picked eighth overall, and he was picked by the Knicks. And you said it. That city is starving for <laughs> someone to rescue them. So they're looking at him as a savior. I'm yeah. not going to say he's a savior, but he's going to be a really good player. He's got all the tools. 
he's not just an athlete. You look at that one thing on that graphic, 92 dunks in one season. That is a dominant athletic player right there. But at the next level, there's going to be a lot of guys who had 90 dunks, 80 dunks when they were in college and they were playing, you know, in the Atlantic 10 or the Mountain West or wherever team those guys played. Um, but having said that, his athletic quotient is still higher than most guys, and so is his energy level. And I think his commitment to excellence as well. But he's in a tough situation, let's be honest. You know, the, the success criteria in New York is as high as it gets. Yeah, I mean, a lot of pressure. This championship or bust. So I'm going to say he's going to be a solid player, perhaps maybe an all-star someday, but he's not going to be a savior. But And, and he's one of my favorite players I've ever watched. Yeah, he'll yes, need Scarry. help. Scar, you talk about that energy level. Let's see his energy level after game 58 with the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could, that could be depressing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, on Start Your Engines, who will win? This is going to be a weekly occurrence now, I think. Uh, this week, it's the Mountain West Conference, and boy, it, it looks tough this year, fellas. Well, you, well, to me, you look at Boise State and Utah State and what they have jumped out to. Uh, both teams with NBA caliber talent, you know, uh, Derek Austin Jr. for Boise State is one of the best players in the country. I'm not going to say he's Kevin Durant. Don't get me wrong. But he reminds you of Kevin Durant. He's 6'9", 6'10", very good, long, lanky, gets to the rim, dunks, can shoot the three from, da- from downtown very well, good ball handler. Uh, you look at Utah State, uh, 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 Keita, Demas Keita, seven-footer, and he is going to keep them in a lot of games. But – Nevada is, is right there, too. And you think about what Wyoming with the new coach, Coach Linder, is coming in. He's got Maldonado, a guy I remember doing games as a freshman a couple years ago. They took the red shirt off of him because he was practicing so well. Now he's averaging 16 points a game, one of the best te- players in the Mountain West. And Wyoming is off to a pretty good start with their new coach. New Mexico is going to be tough. But if I'm picking a team, I'm going to say – Man, it's hard to not pick Boise State for me. I'm a biased guy. I love what Leon Rice does, uh, uh, Gonzaga, uh, Mark Few, um, former assistant. I'm going to th- say Boise State is going to win Mountain West. Yeah, and I'm a, that's a great overview of the conference there, Scar, and, and, and I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I, I just think, um, you know, again, that we, we – We've talked before about San Diego State, and they yeah. are going to have a great year. Um, yeah, Boise State, you know, I had them a couple of weeks ago on stock up, and they're just continuing to rise. They're really tough. Um, I got them too. I really want to see, you know, them match up with San Diego State, and they're going to make us wait till the end of February until yeah, those teams match up, which will be it will be a couple wars on February 25 and 27. But uh, it's going to be a great run in the whole Mountain West this well, season. Well, you know, Malachi – uh, Malachi Flynn graduated from San Diego State, and people thought they were going to take a step back. But Coach Dutcher has them playing almost as well as they played last year. But to me, I think Boise State has a better nucleus. RJ Den- Ray J. Dennis, a really good scorer. You know, Leon Rice's son, Max, is on the team, knocking down threes. So they have all the pieces, and they're more important, the chemistry. I think Boise State is going to hold off. But you're right, San Diego State is right there, and so is Utah State. And don't count out Nevada. Nevada's still a very good team as well. Very good. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting conference. It always is to watch, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out this year. Let's move on now into the top 25 this week for NASCAR, and we had a lot of 
shakeup here this week, fellas. Looking at the top five, the top five lost last week. Just uh, everyone in the top five did. So you look at it this week, all of a sudden you talk about that Boise State team. They're up there at eight and one. BYU follows, then St. Louis and San Diego State still in there at number four. Uh, guys, let's talk about the top 25 here. Who, who took the biggest jump here this week? Well, for me, you know, Western Kentucky splitting. I thought Western Kentucky was one of the top three mid-majors in the country. They had to start off on the road against a, a much improved Charlotte team. Coach Sanchez has really got it going on, a former UVA assistant. Um, but Western is still going to be there. They're going to string together some games. But people don't realize how tough it is to win on the road in conference. And Conference USA is one of the tougher places to win on the road. So I think Western could, can move back up. But I like that team. Dayton hasn't really played in a while. Still like them, even though they took a, a tough loss to LaSalle, another Atlantic 10 team. Again, Atlantic 10, there's no easy nights. LaSalle beat them right. in Dayton. They hadn't lost a game in Dayton in a couple of years. Yeah, well, I think it was probably my fault. So I remember I was bragging about our top 25 <laughs> and, and then all the top five lost. But, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I mean, that it's just shows you – the level of competition, but uh, I like sort of uh, if we go down to the second half of the of the top twenty five, we yeah. got some people that are making some surprise appearances. You're seeing some of these teams getting kind of finding their rhythm. Marshall yeah. Rice making appearance. Chattanooga again, who was sort of under the radar in the SoCon. So uh, some teams that you know have worked out the kinks have have kind of rolled with this uncertainty of COVID and are playing really well here in the last couple of weeks. The Abilene Christian, people don't know, it's a school in Texas. Yeah. And, you know, I, when I think of them, I think of, and I'm showing my age here, Wilbur Montgomery, the old running back for the <laughs> Eagles when Ron Jaworski was the quarterback. He played at Abilene Christian. So that's a long time ago. That's a, the last time I heard of Abilene Christian, to be honest. So it's good to watch them kind of climb the ranks. And that Chattanooga team started off 9-0. and It took a couple of losses last week. So they're going to have to really struggle to stay in the top 25 because, as you see, there's some teams on the outside looking in that are ready yeah. to take those spots. But a lot For of sure. starts here in the um, in the opening part of the season. It's interesting to see how some of this will play out once conference season really gets underway. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, of course, you can always check out our NASCAR podcast, Top 25, going on Twitter at NASCAR podcast all right let's move along here in the show and it's time now for this week's coach conversation our guest this week was the 13th overall pick in the 1992 nba draft he spent 10 seasons in the league he was also the 1989 acc rookie of the year at the university of virginia under head coach jeff jones now he's in his eighth season as an assistant coach at old dominion university under head coach jeff jones brian stith joins nascar this week to talk monarchs hoops and a whole lot more. All right, folks, it's your boy Scar here. And today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Bryant Stith, former NBA great, the all-time leading scorer at UVA, played with some really great players, Richard Morgan, John Crotty, played for Jeff Jones during that time. And now he works at Old Dominion as the associate head coach with Jeff Jones. His, his coach, he's got the coach's kids. We'll talk a little bit about uh, his background as a coach and as a player in the NBA and as well as college. Uh, Bryant, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, Tim. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. So let, let's start with UVA. Now, I always tease you about this because you scored 2,500 points at UVA. And I said that record will never be broken because 
you know, if a guy is scoring that many points in today's basketball world, they're not going to stay at UVA long. Talk a little bit about your time there. You played for four years, probably could have left early, but you stayed, got that education. And more importantly, you left a long lasting legacy. Uh, I tell you, you know, playing for uh, the University of Virginia uh, from 1988 to 1992 was like a lifelong dream of mine. And I had, you know, the best memories of my basketball career uh, there in, in Charlottesville. And it was so much of a blessing because, you know, growing up in, in rural Southside Virginia, you know, I wanted to be good. I thought I had a chance to be good. And, you know, I was able to exceed all of those expectations. And uh, I had a fabulous career. I was blessed to have great coaching, great teammates. And, you know, the support system that we had there at UVA, you know, was second to none. So it, it helped me grow from, you know, a boy to a man. And, you know, I'm able to face those challenges you know, that, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, confront in the NBA and, and, and thereafter. So I'm truly blessed for my experience, you know, at, at the University of Virginia. So when you were coming up in, in rural Virginia, did you ever dream that you'd be in the NBA? I didn't. You know, <laughs> you know, growing back then, you know, life was just so simple for us, man. You know, I grew up playing on the dirt <laughs> play uh, playground and, you know, we used to, you know, alternate you know, backyards where we go after school and on the weekends. And, uh, you know, we just thought, you know, watching basketball on TV, you know, Ralph Sampson, Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, and uh, Jeff Lamp and Coach Jones, we thought that was just so far beyond, you know, our reach, man. You know, so, you know, we were just, you know, out there having fun. You know, we would see a movie. You know, it, it wasn't in any... Uh, recording the TV shows or basketball games, you saw a move, you had to remember it in your head and go out there and <laughs> practice it and hope that you could run back to the television and yeah. see it again. There's you no know, YouTube. So. There was no YouTube back there, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's exactly, exactly, man. So it, it was, it was, it was fun. It was so simple for us, and you know, we were just out there, just you know, you know, just being children. And uh, you know, I had the opportunity to go uh, to basketball camp at Old Dominion, coached by Paul Webb. And mm. uh, and that's where, you know, I realized that, you know, I had a chance to to play basketball beyond uh, Brunswick County. And I went from Old Dominion basketball camp to five-star, and that's where my name really took off. And, you know, I'm just thankful for those individuals and those people who believed in me and gave me a chance. Speaking of Brunswick, so after your playing career, played for the Denver Nuggets for eight years. Uh, we'll get back to that in a second because you guys were the first eighth seed to beat over number one in the NBA playoffs. But before we talk about that, talk about a little bit about going back to Brunswick and you won three state championships in a row and got to coach your sons, Brandon and BJ. I, I tell you, man, I'm not smart enough to orchestrate the things that have happened in my life. So it has <laughs> to come from the man above. You know, yeah. I've, I've been truly blessed. And to have the opportunity to, to come back home and that job at the high school basically fell into my lap. You know, there was a change in administration, a new principal came in, a new superintendent. And actually, um, you know, I had opened up a restaurant back in my hometown and they came in and sat down. They was like, you know, we want to talk to you. I was like, yes, sir, absolutely. 
um, you know, they said, we want to talk to you about possibly coaching uh, the high school team. You know, I was like, man, I'm not interested. I was like, um, you know, you, you guys might have wanted to check the next person on your list. They said, um, okay. Um, so they said, I said, well, I said, well, who's the next person on the list? They said, you know, Brian Stiff is the one, Brian Stiff is two, and Brian Stiff is three. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I just, I kind of started laughing. And I said, well, I tell you what, let me go home, talk to my family, and let me think about it, and I'll get back with you. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. So it, it was it was, it was, was great coming back home, being able to, you know, be honored with that position as head basketball coach because in our community, man, basketball is everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, not only was I leading, you know, a group of uh, uh, teenagers, but, you know, I was also leading the community and we were, you know, in search of a state championship. And, you know, we were very fortunate to bring home three. Amazing. And, and your, your boys were both a big part of that. I'm sure they obviously jeans and a factor, but I'm sure there was a lot of hard work involved with that too. How, how uh, rewarding was it to win with the boys? Oh man, it, it was great. And, and in my journey, uh, you know, to winning a state championship was painful. It was hard. It was disappointing because uh, my first four years coaching at Brunswick High School, we went to the state championship and we lost. And, you know, I felt like the Marv Levy of high school basketball in the state of Virginia. You know, you go to the, <laughs> you go to the Big Chance four times and you're not home, able to bring home the hardware. And yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I wanted it so bad for the kids and I wanted it so bad for our community, um, you know, that, you know, I, I told them that, you know, I wasn't going to stop until I fulfilled that goal. Uh, but, you know, like I said, man, you know, the Lord always have, you know, greater plans. And, you know, I think that, you know, what he was he was in the process, he was teaching me how to become a better coach. But at the same time, you know, he was just waiting for my boys to be a part of that great experience, because the first state championship that I won in year five, um, Brandon was a sophomore, BJ was a freshman, and we had a player now that's, uh, that's playing with the Boston Celtics uh, named uh, Javante Green. He was a senior. So, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> you know, basically I was loaded with talent. You know, basically the only thing I had to do was just roll the basketball out there and tell them to go get it. <laughs> so, you know, I don't want to take too much credit because I had, I had great players um, that I was able to coach and, and, you know, those guys went out there and, and, you know, got the job done for, for Brunswick County and our community. Yeah. And Javante Green was a really good standout at Radford. I used to call his games when I was co calling games at Liberty, tremendous player. So yes, I, yes. I can see how you guys put it all together. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now let's go back to the NBA for a second. So let's go back to that Denver Nuggets team. Again, we mentioned, they won as the first eighth seed to beat the Supersonics with uh, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, the glove. They had, had a loaded team. That team eventually went to the finals versus Michael Jordan a couple years later, but uh, not the year that you guys played them in the first round. That Dikembe Mutombo led. We all remember Mutombo celebrating when you guys finally mm -hmm. won that series. Talk a little bit about that and your whole NBA experience in general. Well, I mean, my life, you know, that was just a microcosm of my life, man. My, my life has been filled with impossibilities. And, you know, when, when, when you look at my journey from Brunswick County to the University of Virginia, man, I wasn't supposed to be there. You know, I, 
people told me I was, you know, I, I was too small to play forward in the ACC. You know, I wasn't quick enough. I couldn't shoot. I couldn't dribble well enough. You know, they just told me that I would just go there and I'll just be an average player. Um, you know, when I was drafted, you know, in the in the first round, you know, they told me that, you know, I was a late first round pick, maybe a second round pick. And I was fortunate enough to go to the Orlando Classic back then and, and be named the MV, MVP, which elevated my NBA stock into the lottery. So when we got to uh, Denver, there were a collection of young people, Dikembe, LaFonso Ellis, you know, who is who was my best friend in the NBA, you know, Tom Hammonds, Robert Pack, Mahmoud Abdul-Raoul. We all had this same DNA. And, you know, we, it was like, you know, the worst thing that can happen is for us to go out there and play our hearts out and lose. Um, and, you know, because we weren't supposed to win that series. Right. We got blown out in game one and we proved everybody right. We were disappointed with ourselves because we didn't put up much of a fight in game two. The game was a lot closer. We thought we had a chance. We should have won it down the stretch, but we gave it away with our inexperience. So back then, it was only five games in the first round. So Seattle had to come to us. And, man, that crowd was amazing. John Elway got everybody pumped up, and we won the next two games, and we had all the momentum. We didn't have any pressure. We were mm -hmm. going back to Seattle and we would say, you know, we're going to roll the dice and we're going to shock the world. Dikembe had dreams that everybody in the media was talking about. So, you know, we were game and we went up there. We had the uh, the, the performance of our lives man, and we, we, we made NBA history. That's something that, you know, we would never forget collectively as a group. Amazing, amazing feat. I remember watching it. I, you know, at the time, everyone thought uh, 8C would never be the one seed in the NBA because the talent disparity or the or just the, 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 the chemistry of that number one seed, you know, number ones and number twos always win in the NBA. So that was just an amazing feat. I know you have to be proud. So this is a mid-major podcast, college basketball. Let's talk a little bit of Old Dominion basketball. Now, you've been there under Coach Jeff Jones, who's the head coach, uh, who you played for, uh, talk a little bit about that experience and then tell us a little bit about how Brandon and BJ got to play for you there after going to East Carolina and, uh, and Virginia. Well, you know, when, when I left the NBA, man, you know, I, <clears throat> I was kind of beaten down, you know, you know, by basketball. You know, I had, had had seven surgeries after not being hurt, you know, at all prior to getting to the NBA. I had been traded um, from Denver uh, to Boston, and then I signed another contract with Cleveland. We weren't very good, and, you know, it was just wearing on me. I had lost the love of the game. Um, I didn't see a path where I thought I could get back uh, to getting a long-term contract or a multi-year contract and getting back with a good franchise, so I decided to call it quits. And when I went back to Brunswick County, those kids there over – that seven-year period gave me the love of the game back. And I did not have any idea that I would enjoy coaching as much as I did, which led me, you know, to, you know, contact Coach Jones. And we had several conversations over the year about my future and the direction that I would take. And he asked me some tough questions. And, 
and I was ready. So when 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 he got the job at Old Dominion, um, he gave me a, a basketball. Or he gave me a call, and at the time, Brandon had just graduated. He had already signed with uh, East Carolina, and BJ had already committed to University of Virginia. And that was perfect for me because I didn't want anybody to think that I was using Brandon and BJ as a meal ticket to get to the next level. Or I didn't want people to think that um, I was getting a a position to bring my sons aboard. I wanted us all to go our separate ways and I wanted us to all to forge our, our own paths. And it just so happened after that first year, the stars aligned and Brandon ended up at uh, Old Dominion first. Um, BJ came next. And I told them that, you know, I trusted Coach Jones with my future. And I think that if you guys come to the uh, come to Old Dominion, I think that he can help you with yours. And, you know, just like, you know, we had at Brunswick, we created a magic here where we won a lot of basketball games. We played on some really good, they played on some really good teams. And, you know, eventually, you know, BJ was part of a conference conference championship and was named player of the year. I mean, it was an amazing experience for Brandon and BJ. And I'm glad that uh, Coach Jones was able to groom them. And I'm glad that they were able to be a part of this experience. Yeah, and I was so happy for you guys finally breaking through Conference USA and winning that title and getting and that wasn't an easy road, man. You guys were trailing in the first game, the second game, and the championship and came back and won down in Frisco, Texas. Let you get out of here with this last question. How rewarding has it been being an associate head coach? And what are your future plans in terms of trying to get your own program? Well, I'm well, I'm not an associate head coach. I, I'm just one of the assistants. But, okay. you know, Coach Jones has been he's been tremendous for me, man. I mean, to be able to have a person that has been in your corner for the last 30 plus years and then um, have him to be able to mentor, mentor you and you able to learn the business from him, you know, to have access to all of that knowledge. And, and, and um, that's just been nothing but beneficial for me to grow, to continue to grow as a, a as a college coach and um, to watch him run and organize his program. I mean, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to get my own program, then I already have the blueprint because he has provided that for me. And, you know, I love Norfolk. Uh, I'm not in a hurry to go anywhere, you know, as evidenced by me being here for eight years. So, um, you know, I just want to take my time again. um, You know, the Lord has always ordered my steps and um, he's, I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me now. So I'm just going to, you know, be patient. And if that opportunity comes, hopefully I'm ready for it. But if not, I'm going to stay here and, and continue to learn and grow as a college coach and uh, and just enjoy my experience here in the Hampton Roads area. Well, it's been my pleasure getting to know you as a person and as a coach. <laughs> I loved your game. I was a big fan when you played. You know, I played at Liberty in Lynchburg, not – too far from Charlottesville when you were dominating the country on the basketball course. But Bryant, thanks for joining our podcast and uh, we'll see you down the road. Appreciate you, bro. Tim, thanks again, man. I really appreciate you. Happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks, man. Same to you. 
Our thanks once again to Old Dominion assistant coach Brian Stith joining us here this week on NASCAR. All right, it's time for one of my favorite segments in the whole show, NASDAQ. Again, do not base your stock portfolio information on this, but if you want to be a little smarter about college basketball, Paul Nazigan has you covered. All right, NASDAQ this week. Stock up, stock down. Drake. No, not that Drake. Drake, the Bulldogs. <laughs> you know, it's not that Drake, but the Bulldogs, you know, they're still like a sprained ankle. They ain't nothing to play with, Naz, right? <laughs> yeah, man, stock up. How about that? Drake, even Drake's surprised that Drake is on there. I mean, what, what, what again, you just, you just never know any given season. And so, you know, stock up and, and a tip of the cap to Drake, man, because they've just quietly gone about their business at 13-0, and 0, and they've started conference play already. So um, they're doing a great job. You know, we got to give a shout-out to Coach – uh, Darian DeVries, I mean, he has just assembled. I mean, and not just this year. They had a great year last year as well, just kind of quietly taking over a program that was, you know, kind of floundering a little bit. And they have he's really got them going. So we'll have to keep an eye on them in the in the Missouri Valley. Kind of picked to just sort of be in the middle of the pack. So we'll see because uh, they kids certainly have a lot of confidence right now. So, so they started from the middle. Now they're here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We, we could go all day with this, guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. We better keep moving on. So, stock watch. Who to watch this week? Keep an eye on Citadel. Citadel. Scar will give a shout-out to our buddy Duger Balkum down there at Citadel. He's got them 7-0. and Now, listen, they haven't played the most demanding schedule, but he's building some confidence in those kids, and they've responded. They go into SOCOM play 7-0. and We'll see again. Maybe they're picked towards the bottom, but you never know. They love to play that up-and-down style and uh, score a lot of points. So keep an eye on them. They're my stock watch for this week. And now, stock down is Boston University and making their teams wear masks. I mean, this is this is terrible. This is this is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I – so it's 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 kind of ironic too. You guys have seen the 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 Sam Adams Boston Lager commercials with your cousin from Boston, and then the guy proceeds <laughs> to kind of embarrass himself and, yeah, and, yeah. and make a fool out of the situation. Yeah, that's what Boston <laughs> University has done. Your university from Boston. Oh, Boston! You guys, it's it's embarrassing. I mean. The sad part is, like, you didn't make your kids any safer. All you did is it's, – it's really kind of sad. And, listen, I'll tell you this. This is not stocked down to uh, the Boston University players. This is not stocked down to Coach uh, Joe Jones. Those guys, they play hard. They got to do what the university says. So I'm all about the team. But the university, this policy is terrible. Um, you know, here's the other thing. From a person who's in school administration and athletic administration, here's the number one rule. You don't make rules that you can't enforce or that you're not prepared to enforce. And so, listen, they made, made, made guys wear masks, but we saw the game. They're not wearing them. Guys are wearing them like a beard and a chin strap. They're down here at their nose. They did not wear them pr- properly. And they didn't, and it became really kind of a laughing stuff. I mean, hey, I would have worn it on my arm like a like an Iverson shooting fleet. That that's about the same amount of protection that those kids were getting. I mean, listen, you got to fix this, Boston University. Make the right call now. Change this. Listen, here's what you can do if you really are that serious about it. And I'm not taking the the virus lightly, but you have testing before the game. 
You want to test, test them at halftime. Take them in there and do a temp, and then test them after the game. I mean, more testing, that's fine. But kids playing with masks on, that's not the answer. Stop yeah, I, don't know how, I don't know how they breathe, honestly. It's, that's, uh... Yeah, well, that's the thing. You're right, Scar. Guys were pulling it out so they could it's breathe yeah. after some up and down. And it's like – you're, you're defeating the purpose. So yeah, and, and, and to be clear, we are talking about wearing the mask during the game, during the not game. at other points. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. players on the court wearing Correct. masks. That's right. Uh, we're all for the, the, the other procedures, the crowd, the guys on the bench, and other people like that. Yes, be safe. But on the court, let the guys play. No doubt. Appreciate that, Naz. That is this week's NASDAQ report. Now we're on to my second favorite segment of the show. I don't know, maybe my favorite. It it just depends week to week. Scarborough fair or unfair? Are you going to Scarborough fair? All right, let's do that. Let's do it. All right, Tim, here we go. So, first of all, Scarborough fair, unfair. Kentucky at two and six will make the NCAA tournament in 2021. I'm going to say that Scarborough unfair because we know Kentucky, if they have a 500 record or above, they're going to find a way to put them into the tournament. Now, having said that, I really do think they have some talent left in that in that program. You know, Olivier Saar is starting to play a little bit better, the seven-foot transfer from Wake Forest. They had the, uh, the kid Dante went off the other day with 23 points off the bench. They had to come back from a big deficit to win. Coach Calipari is going to try to figure this thing out, and I think once they get into SEC play, they'll, they'll start winning some games. But, yeah, I think it's unfair that, that we're going to find a way to get them into the tournament if they have any kind of a record above 500. Well, they've been to six straight tournaments, nine out of the last ten. We'll see if they can keep it going here this year. Scarborough, fair or unfair, no home court advantages this year or with really reduced or, in some cases, no crowds at ball games. Yeah, I'm going to say that's Scarborough unfair, man. I mean, you think about what happened to, to, to Kansas the other day. There's no way they get boat raced in, in, in Kansas. I mean, Lawrence is a, a place where they support that team. You know, and, and Kentucky losing to, by double digits to Richmond at home. That doesn't happen if they have a full Rupp Arena. It just doesn't. And think about Duke and some of these places that are really hard to play. You know, this is a great time to catch some of those teams on the road because that home court advantage is actually a disadvantage because the guys, when they were on their recruiting trip, they went and saw a full place and now they're playing in front of an empty gym. That has to be a real downer for some of these home teams. So I'm going to say it's a Scarborough unfair that they have to play with, uh, with, without a big crowd. Would agree with that for sure. Lastly here, Scarborough fair or unfair Northern Illinois fires Mark Montgomery after a 1-7 and seven start to the season. Yeah, and I'm going to say that's Scarborough unfair. Now, listen, the guy had 10 years there, so I understand, you know, he was 124 and 170. I get that. They started off 1-7. and seven. I get that, too. But what is going to change uh, having that guy finish the season? You know, you, I've seen teams come back and rally the troops. After starting off ruggedly, we just talked about Kentucky. I believe they're going to bounce back give it a chance. And then you're firing a guy in the middle of a pandemic. How wrong is that? So I'm going to say that's Scarborough unfair that Mike Montgomery got fired in January of 2021. I feel like it's that, that movie. What was the line? I got fired on my day off. Yeah. On Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, get fired on your day off. 
All right. Well, we've started our engines. We've revved them up. We've fared or unfared and NASDAQ'd our way all the way to the final lap here on this week's edition of NASCAR. All right. And let's start with Texas over Kansas by double figures in Lawrence. Uh, guys, uh, Scar, you mentioned this just a minute ago. Will Kansas make it 16 out of the last 17 Big 12 regular season titles? Yeah, you know, they had won 15 in a row, and then Texas Tech and Baylor kind of as usurped their authority. But Kansas, you remember, they bounced back last year. They were 28-3. But they ain't going 28-3 this year, baby. I, I don't think they're going to win the Big 12. Uh, don't write the epitaph on Coach Bill Self just yet, though. He's going to find a way to get them going. But, man, that double-figure loss – um, the worst loss in Bill Self's uh, tenure at Kansas. Shaka Smart, shout out to him. Texas has got it going on. Um, I'm going to say, you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of. I don't think they're going to win it. Houston Cougars seven and zero now in the top five in the country. Uh, guys, how good is Kelvin Sampson as a head coach? I know he's got a past. We all do, right? But how good is Kelvin Sampson and and the job he's doing at Houston? Yeah, he's doing a great job. And in, in really, in reality, he's done a great job wherever he's gone. Um, yeah, he's had a little bumps like many of those guys <laughs> at that level. Um, but, but here's the thing, like, you know, he's got NBA experience. I mean, he's, he's been successful everywhere he goes, um, you know, and he's turned that whole Houston thing around. I mean, he's got them in the, in the top 10. And, um, you know, here's the thing, they play hard and he's a, he's a player's coach. I mean, he plays a style that kids love to play. They'll get up and down, but they get after her on D that's an easy recruit. And he, and he just, he just sort of connects with kids and he has all his career and he's doing a fantastic job down there. Kind of reminds me of Jerry Tarkadian, you know, at, at UNLV. I think that's the only difference. Tark eventually won a national championship with UNLV in 90. Yeah, but and you're, you're right, sir. That's another great point. He'll take chances on kids that some guys yeah. won't. And you know what? And that pays off. And, you know, he, you know some guys that scares away. But, but uh, you know, he, he, he'll take them on. And, uh, you know, he, he's doing a real good job. Well, number one, Gonzaga, they've beaten four top 20 teams this year, fellas. Now, I know we don't talk about Gonzaga a lot, but we will get to them here. Scar, is this the year that the Zags finally win it all? They look unbeatable to me. I know that's an announcer's curse when you start talking <laughs> about guys are going to run the table. But I'm telling you, man, Corey Kispert is playing as the National Player of the Year candidate. And he's not alone on that team. Drew Timmy is one of the best post players. If it wasn't for Luca Garza, we might be saying Drew Timmy is the best post player in the country, right? Uh, and then you think about Jalen Suggs, the best five-star recruit that uh, in a series of really good players that Gonzaga has ever had. He may end up being their best guy. Just a great freshman, double-figure scores. They got five guys at double figures. I mean, they defend – they, they annihilated Virginia, and Virginia couldn't stop them. One of the best right. teams in the country. They, they hung 98 points on them with four minutes left in the game, and then they finally called off the dogs. But, yeah, I think this is their year. I don't see anybody beating them. Yeah, I agree. It's like they got the NBA model. I mean, you got two – well, you got three superstars, like, three, on a team. Yeah. That, that's what it's going to take, and I think, I think they could run all the way with it. The only thing is I look down that whole thing – the only thing that you could maybe – call a weakness is they're really young i mean they got 12 guys on a roster that are freshmen or sophomore but here's the thing when you get to march 
youth, there's no more youth. Everybody's yeah. everybody grows up by then. So yeah, I think, think about the minutes play. those guys are logging right yep. now, though. You know, yep. there's no that, that inexperience will be overcome by yeah, very good coaching as well. Yeah, that's long gone. Yeah, you talk about scoring 98 on Virginia. Sometimes that takes three games to do for <laughs> right. somebody to get 98 on, on the Cavaliers. Stop them. They scored every possession. It was crazy. All right, lastly here, Eastern Illinois guard Max Smith sets the NCAA record with 89 consecutive games with a made three-pointer. Uh, Scar, just a few more than you, right? Just a few more. I only played 87 games because, <laughs> you know, we, we covered this on the NASCAR podcast. Jeff Meyer, my former coach, played me in six games in my freshman year, and I lost the whole year. But I, I'm going to say I, I could never score 89 straight games. That is really, really hard to do, to knock down at least one three-pointer. So congratulations to him on that and a feat. That's just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, there's guys play all year, don't, you know, take a three in 89 <laughs> games in a row. Yeah. Like, but he's made one. I mean, phenomenal record. Uh, just that's amazing. And counted, right? He's still got yeah. it. Wow. Well, that's going to wrap up our show here this week. It's always, as always, a lot of fun. Uh, Naz and Scar here with us this week, as always. And uh, remember, you can find us on Twitter at NASCAR Podcast or uh, also uh, find us on YouTube as well, NASCAR Podcast, the homepage. And, of course, you can also find our uh, podcast on Anchor as well and uh, your favorite streaming services wherever you find your podcast at. Thanks for joining the NASCAR Podcast. High-speed action without all the pit stops and crashes. For Paul Nazigan, for Tim Scarborough, I'm Nick Pierce. Thanks so much for joining us. Till next time, so long, everybody.